person one loves person two guess what shenanigans ensue person one hates person two guess what still shenanigans ensue person one fake dates person two guess what you guessed it shenanigans ensue co-host one reports a co-host two the name of the show I'm Jasmine. And I'm Jane, and welcome to Shenanigans in Sue. A podcast where I'm stopping your brother from throwing his life away for some pizza nurse. <laughs> pizza nurse. <laughs> I mean, it's not entirely inaccurate. It's not. But still. She's not yet a nurse, though. I feel like, you know, he's actually encouraging her to finish the program. <laughs> Each episode, we'll watch a rom-com and discuss its merits as a member of the rom-com genre. We'll cover well-worn classics, hidden gems, and everything in between. We'll give you our unsolicited opinion on every trope, caper, and flim-flam the film used, or maybe abused. And of course, the the Shenanigans! Shenanigans! Oh boy. (laughs) Should I have done a who? Oh, yes, it's almost Halloween. Yes. And for Halloween, what's more terrifying than kidnapping (laughs) and Stockholming someone into loving you? Especially when you don't know you've been kidnapped. (laughs) Correct. Because you have amnesia. This is a nightmare. This is a walking nightmare of a film idea. (laughs) This is terrible, but so somehow wonderful. And that film. Oh, yes. Is overboard parentheses the 2018, 2018 remake. <laughs> <laughs> there actually is two of these, by the way, folks. What's the other one from 1987? 1988, I think. Yeah, so we have one from 1988, and we have the 2018, and we ended up watching both. Yes. But we're going to predominantly talk about the 2018. But we will be referencing the original version, and we will also be referencing Falling for Christmas. Christmas, which I didn't realize at the time of watching, but is also kind of an homage of sorts. It actually really is. Yeah. You know, I wasn't even thinking about that at all. It totally, totally is. But also, I feel like this is very important. We didn't entrap somebody. <laughs> The other guy in Falling for Christmas is just a kind Samaritan who offers to put somebody up for the holidays. Yes, he's not trying to repay a debt by kidnapping someone he's interacted with previously. Literally Stockholming somebody like a psycho. Okay, I'm going to try to be nice. Let's hit that plot synopsis. <laughs> Kate is a widowed mom studying to become a nurse. At one of her many jobs, she meets wealthy womanizer Leo. After a nasty interaction, Leo leaves Kate without her cleaning gig and a $3,000 bill for equipment. Yikes. <sighs> In some comic retribution, Leo falls off his yacht and ends up with amnesia. When the incident hits the news, Kate's friend comes up with a crazy and probably very illegal plan very. for her to get paid back. Shenanigans ensue. <laughs> Holy smokes. Sometimes you get into a situation where it starts out a certain type of way and before you realize it, you're kind of in too deep and it's gotten away from you. 
This situation was not one of those instances because from the get-go, it wasn't good. You can see it's going to be a bad idea. Yeah, it 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 was never a good idea. It is psycho. The fact that Eva Longoria can present it in a way that I actually didn't hate her for right? suggesting kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> it's a testament to her acting chops. Correct. I feel like there needs to be an award. You know the Razzie? Mm-hmm. I feel like there needs to be an award for actors who do the most with shit scripts. Right. Yes. Or like a shitty situation. Yeah. You know? Who can be charming even in dire circumstances. Yeah. Because I don't even actually think this is a shit script. It really isn't. It's just tough. Another actor who's good at this is James Marsden. Yes. In 27 Dresses. He could have easily come across as being stalkery and creepy. Absolutely. And he does not. Yeah. Or how in Falling for for Christmas, that script was truly trash, mm-hmm. and they did the most. <laughs> uh, you know, and and that's the thing that's so frustrating is I wanted to like this movie really bad. Mm-hmm. I, I bet you can already tell where this is going. Yeah, I wanted to though. I really wanted to. I was so primed to love this movie. Mm-hmm. Anna Faris is in it. Absolutely. Like, I love that this movie is basically bilingual. Yes, that was fantastic. Uh-huh. Like, give me more of that. Those Latin beats hit early and often and I was obsessed. Mm-hmm. There was so much about it to love. It was so good. The construction scenes where he's doing the day labor stuff. A lot of his cousins and family for the guy who owns it work there. All also Hispanic. And the entire time, instead of appeasing American audiences with just speaking in English. The scenes are in Spanish, which is authentic. Yes. If you're around a bunch of Spanish speakers, that's what you're going to do, right? I loved it so much. It was honestly delightful to watch them be comfortable. Yeah. And with Leo's family as well, all the scenes between the family members were in Spanish. Yeah. It was so nice. Also, we had really great child actors in this movie, which you don't see a lot of. Those kids were excellent. So good. I was so impressed with them. The youngest one in particular to me was extremely good yeah and then even the oldest Mm -hmm. the emotional scene at the end when you know he obviously figures out that this woman has lied to him and he's not actually married to her and he's a rich person so he's driving (laughs) away and the kids are sobbing and chasing after the limo which as an idea is very funny (laughs) but they're banging on the windows and the eldest is truly red face sobbing like yeah (laughs) she came to slay that day and she did (laughs) (laughs) so there really was a lot to like about this movie. I don't know why it doesn't hit like it should. I mean, I have an inkling. We have some theories. Mm-hmm. There are theories. Uh, <laughs> one of them that I have is that this is a movie that would have benefited from going the commedia route in that everyone in old school commedia where you would wear masks is kind of a caricature and meant to be comedic. Mm-hmm. Except the lovers. And the lovers don't wear masks. They wear lots and lots of makeup. But the lovers are the ones being very serious. And this could have been a movie that would have benefited from the lovers being very serious around each other and then everyone around them being hilarious. Unfortunately, if that's the movie that you want to do, Eugenio would have been a great actor for that, but I don't think that that's what Anna Faris is great at. No. And then alternatively, Anna Faris is very, very funny and Eugenio isn't. No. He's not good at the comedy parts. There was mismatch. They're not doing the same movie. No. No. <laughs> And it shows. Yeah. And I think that's a huge contributing factor to why the movie doesn't hit as hard. 
To contextualize it as well, we watched the 2018 movie first and then we watched the original so we could kind of refer back to it when discussing this movie. And the original's better. We both ended up liking the original more. And I didn't think I would yeah. because for the 2018, they did a gender swap essentially. Which was a great idea. Agreed. There is something uh, inherently creepy about the idea that there would be a rich woman who's been tricked into thinking she's married to some guy and doing all of the housework and rearing the children. Yeah. And yet somehow the original is not as creepy as that sounds. <laughs> she's actually treated with like love and respect when she's there. Yeah. She's just, you know, working at the house and he's got two jobs that he's working outside of it. It's not as sexist as you would think yes. based on that synopsis. Surprisingly enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. They were also just in the original more suited for one another. Again, they were in the same film. They weren't in two different universes. And I think the chemistry between Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell was so palpable and oh, absolutely, really compelling. Mm-hmm. So much so that I didn't know this. But they were in a romantic relationship with each other for decades and may still be together. What? I didn't know that. Yes. I couldn't believe it. (laughs) Wikipedia couldn't tell me definitively if they're still together or not, but they celebrated 35 years together back in 2018. So like, maybe... That's sweet. That is sweet. Okay, see, there we go. This was a, a problem in, unfortunately, the casting in this case. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because I would not say Eugenio Derbez did a bad job. I felt like so many of the scenes were beautiful. I felt like his relationships with the kids were really good. Yes. I felt like his emotional scenes were excellent. His serious scenes are top-notch. And very touching. Yeah. But his comedy is bad. Mm. His timing is not good, unfortunately. I'm so sorry to say. I know. Me too. It it does hurt to be critiquing someone so specifically. Yeah. But it's the timing, the scenes. There was so much space. And then also, unfortunately, the two of them don't have much chemistry. Mm Mm-hmm both physically and within how they banter with each other between the scenes so that when the physical stuff comes, it feels almost like it's coming out of nowhere. Yeah. He did a few things very funny. I thought the scene where he came back from a whole day of work and he was right by the door ready to go if she wanted to was quite (laughs) funny. Before we get too much into the weeds of it with picking through the movie, let's hit some tropes. Okay, so trope-wise, we've got... Enemies to lovers, different worlds. We have very much a fish out of water. (laughs) Literally. Literally. (laughs) And figuratively. (laughs) Okay, not literally, not a literal fish, but like. But he's in a boat on the the water, water. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he, by all accounts, lives on that yacht. It's so weird. Right? It does seem like that's his permanent residence. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't have a forward address. That's just yacht. We, I do love an amnesia. Uh, we've got tending someone's wounds, not going through with a confession. There's also a dramatic chase, and it's a pretty good one. Mm. It's on the water. Yes. <laughs> and then we've got a good old-fashioned telenovela-esque plot. Unlike so many tropes that go within the telenovela, so... Very juicy. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite of these? I'm 
gonna have to go with a dramatic chase. Mm. This was a really good one. Mm-hmm. They also did something a little bit differently where within the chase, Leo also kind of like stops and doesn't go through with kissing Kate because he's like <laughs> negotiating with his dad who's standing on the boat. It's being like, I'm going to disinherit you if you go through this. It's so good. He's literally about to embrace her in the water. Yeah. And he stops and turns. And he's like, whoa, 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 hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and what's excellent about it is that when he goes to turn and negotiate, all of that has happened with the father in Spanish. So yes. Kate has no idea what's happening. She just knows that he's no longer going to kiss her. And she doesn't understand what was so important that could have actually stopped him from this moment. And what what it was, was, was money. <laughs> and then she gets fished out of the water and Leo decides, no, 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 I choose love. And so Kate is like, if I jump into the water again, will you kiss me this time? Dead. <laughs> I like that. She calls him out on that. Yeah, good for you. He did. He left you hanging. Yeah. And what I also liked about this dramatic chase was that the girls are in on it too. They're like, we're going to go get our dad. And the friends are in on it as well. They sort of like bake it into the plot. They reference the terrible boat that Eva Longoria's character hates like four <laughs> times. And then when Kate comes up with a scheme to go get Leo, Teresa's husband's like, you see, honey, Kate wants the boat. Kate needs the boat. Then they get on the boat and the boat breaks down. Yes. And she was right. They can't go fast enough to catch up with Leo's yacht. Because he says the entire time that it was a good deal. He got an excellent deal on the boat. Mm -hmm. No, he didn't. That boat's broke. (laughs) There are certain things you need to be suspicious of for being too cheap. Yeah. A boat is certainly one of them. Definitely up there. (laughs) What about you? What's a trope you want to hit? I really like a good old-fashioned enemies to lovers Mm, mm -hmm. and i feel like this is a good opportunity to discuss like the differences between this one and the original film yes because the enemies to lovers in this 2018 remake doesn't hit no you know at the very beginning of the film anna ferris's character has gone onto the boat to clean the carpet she's got a very expensive carpet steamer He makes a very bizarre pass at her, essentially saying that she is kind of pretty, but there's something about her face. Yeah. And there's no, like, sex coming out of it. It's Mm. just kind of clinical. I don't know if that was, like, an intentional thing, but it doesn't feel like there's anything behind it. He's not excited about it. He would just, like, do that if she were amenable. Yeah. And she's obviously not taken with that offer. And then he's so rude to her and expects her to go fetch him some food. And she's like, no, I'm here to clean. I'm not going to go get you some fruit. And so he pushes her and the very expensive equipment into the ocean. It just doesn't quite make sense. Yeah. At least for the original, you know, it turns out that the woman who's rich in the original is a total jerk because this guy has created an amazing closet. The most incredible closet for a boat you've ever seen. I don't even have that many shoes. No. But I want it. And the shoes come to the front (laughs) using a crank system that then split in the center, jimmy around the sides, and then bring new shoes to the front. You could have so many shoes in a boat. Amazing. And she freaks out because it's not made of the correct wood for moths. It's not made with cedar. She literally says she's not going to pay him, which is insane. And then to be fair, 
a larger guy who is a woodworker with plenty of muscles being on your boat yelling at you to pay him even though you're wrong yeah it's intimidating so she pushes him off of the boat and in her frantic frenzy being maybe scared she throws his equipment off the boat and in that case there was sexual chemistry from the beginning. You could see his tools are ruined, but it wasn't really about being cruel. It was about being scared. Yeah. It, it makes more sense. And I think the thing with uh, enemies to lovers is for it to be successful, there needs to be some underlying sexual tension. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, how do you get from being enemies to lovers? Right. They're playing with the fine line of love and hate. But you need that sexual tension under it for it to work. So in the original, we actually see them checking each other out. Yes. Like it's clear they don't like each other. But Dean is shirtless and kind of sweaty. And Annie, Joanna is in this very skimpy, suggestively cut swimming costume. And you can see them checking each other out. So yeah. it makes more sense that the fighting would happen and will get a little bit heated and aggressive. It has to be that because the whole premise is that I am so enamored with you. There's some sort of animalistic need for me to be with you. Mm -hmm. But there's just enough irritation and hate towards something you did that's keeping me from doing that because my brain is overruling any sort of base impulse. Yeah. And so without <laughs> that base impulse pushing them together, you can't make an enemies to lovers work. There's only disdain. Yeah. Then it could just be any idiot that you're angry with. Yeah. Th there is something sweet about the idea that he gets put into this woman's life and he's so good with the kids. He's so good with the friends. Mm. He cooks for her these little acts of service. There's so many things that become so helpful that you can see it kind of crack and so I even waited I thought to myself oh the chemistry will come a little bit later and it it tries to mm. and it's there towards the end I think when they go dancing I felt it sort of yeah. but it was just not enough I was going to say the closest I think they get is with the dancing and a little bit when they're walking on the dock yeah but then when you put it up next to the original the fake out kiss is so good. Usually a fake out kiss doesn't catch me like I expect that it's coming. But this time they got me. I didn't think it was coming. That they were going to go in for a dance. Like it got me. And I was like, oh, yeah. like it was so good. And then jumping back to the 2018 version, they're having this talk and they're sharing a moment and it is sweet. But then Anna Ferris just kind of turns, faces him, grabs his face, and they start kissing. We're not experiencing that bold. Am I explaining this properly? Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think that that's a very funny Anna Ferris move in some occasions. Like if this were some very shy, nerdy guy mm. situation and the guy wasn't taking the cues and it had gone on too long, then that's a funny Anna Ferris move. Grab him, kiss. Yes. But it's not really like what's being built up in this film. Or even in that scene specifically. Yeah. Like this is a moment where they are supposed to be connecting. So... It doesn't fit. It doesn't. I feel like this movie could have been improved simply by just making Lucky the lead. Yes. 
<laughs> I feel like he would have been able to handle the comedy of the situation correctly. Lucky gave two lines and I texted Jazz and I was like, couldn't he be the lead? And then what sold me was when Lucky is having a conversation with Leo. Oh, I love this moment. When they're hauling the dirt for the pool and they're seeing the owner of this very expensive home and they're talking a little bit about what life could be. And then the owner comes over to try to tell them to go around the long way because he doesn't want to have to look at them. Ugh, so obnoxious. And then (laughs) after just saying all of that in perfect English, Lucky literally starts doing this really awful Mexican accented, I don't understand English bit. And the guy has to go find somebody else to help. The rich guy is like, oh, yes, of course. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Of course you don't speak English. (laughs) So good. It was so cheeky. And as the owner of the home walks away, Lucky turns back to Leo and he goes, I love doing that. And then walks (laughs) off. (laughs) I loved it. And his smirk over Mm -hmm. it, he did a smirk to Leo and that oozed more sex than most (laughs) of the scenes. You know? Yes. Uh, So yeah, I just don't even want to necessarily talk about the tropes in the context of the 2018. Like maybe some of them from the original because I'm just not in love with them. Yeah, and I think that was why I paused so long when you asked me which one was my favorite. Right. And again, I don't think that the issue is with the script. And you know, the script from the original and the script for the 2018 remake has a lot of parts that are exact almost remakes. It's a very loyal remake. I will say. It is. I know we said they did a gender swap and the movie's almost bilingual and obviously it's decades later. But aside from that, it's a very, very loyal remake. There are literal moments of direct scene by scenes, just like with this new actor. There's a lot of lines that are almost exactly the same. Mm. A lot of the plot devices and plot points are exactly the same. And almost every single one I think I prefer in the original. Yeah. I wonder too, like you would think that the gender swap would be better again for sexist reasons Mm. but I wonder if there is an element of there's something more comical about laughing at the obnoxious rich woman for whatever that's worth there's all these constructs right that make certain things a little more palatable than others yeah I hear what you're saying but I also do think it's the way it was played because You do see some over-the-top caricatures of rich men that you can laugh at easily. It's true. We're talking a lot about Rogelio de la Vega from Jane the Virgin. Yeah. And how we needed a bit more of that kind of energy. Because he's also an obnoxious asshole for most of it. He's so obnoxious, but he's so funny. (laughs) But he's so funny. And then later you see he has a heart. So in this movie, I think we see having a heart come through very well. Yeah. And the tender scenes, as we said, are really beautiful. But it's just the mismatch. Because I think with, like, say, the overboard scene at the beginning, you know, a Rogelio is just going to be so clueless. Yes, exactly. What do you mean you can't get me fruit? Wait, but I'm still paying you for your time? I don't understand. (laughs) I'm just very confused. And then maybe getting very upset and being dramatic and then throwing his arms in the air because he's so upset and and feels so bad that he accidentally is tossed around. Over. Yeah. There's a way it could have worked that's less cruelty and more clueless. Yeah. Like it didn't read as zany, funny when he had the accident with the pasta and he's like lying on the kitchen floor and 
Anna Faris leans over and is like, um, honey, could you hurry up, please? We hungry. Yeah, for me, that line doesn't work if you've just watched somebody injure themselves. Yes. I think if she were upstairs fiddling with something and the kids are laughing by themselves yeah. and she just pops her head down or out of a door to say, hey, can you hurry up? I'm hungry. And then pops back away. Like, that's funny. Yes. But to have watched him do it. And not react in a way that feels human. Yeah. <laughs> like, with compassion. Because even watching it, I saw him grab it and I saw hot plate, hot plate, and I thought he was going to put it back on the stove and he would just have burnt his hands a little bit. Yes. But when he fully threw it in the air and fell, I panicked because yeah. that's second degree burns. I got <laughs> upset. I was very concerned for him. And nobody reacted correctly. <laughs> yeah. And so when we watched the original, Goldie Hawn is just struggling. Like she has a whole ass chicken that hasn't been cut up poking out of the pot and like accidentally lights the thing on fire. But it's played so you can see she's not actually in pain. Yeah. The boys come down and they spray her with a fire extinguisher. (laughs) So the comedy just works better. And they have so many fire extinguishers in the house because two of the boys are going through a, quote, (laughs) arson phase. I'm dead. Like, that's so funny. That's so much funnier. (laughs) So, yeah, there's just so many little teeny things that I think, unfortunately, work better in the original which disappoints me so wholeheartedly because I want to be nothing but an outspoken, aggressive, Mm. positive supporter of things with people of color for remakes. And so it hurts even worse, to be honest. Yeah. When I hear a Latin beat hit, there's something in my soul that activates in a different way than other music, (laughs) having grown up with that as the background music of my life, kind of. Oh, so it's your duende coming in. Uh, Yes. I hear a a Latin beat drops and I want to go whip. Something. (laughs) And I didn't get to have that joy as much as I would have liked. (laughs) Shall we go to the shenanigans? I think so. Yeah, right at the top. Anna Ferris doing her thing, making us laugh. Oh my goodness. I was <laughs> cackling. The audio recording that she's playing is kind of just doing little test questions over and over again. To help his study. You know, is it A, this, B, this, C, bloody stool, or whatever the last thing is. And so <laughs> since she gets it wrong, she gets mad at herself and she makes a song to, you know, force memory. <laughs> Anti-platelet bloody stools, all the doodah day. Hey. All the doodah day. <laughs> I will never not remember that. Yeah, that was a perfect entrance for her. Yes, you know exactly who she is. Yes, and then the interesting thing is I don't remember, I don't even care how the movie intros Leo's character in the 2018, but I do love how they intro Leo's family. Oh, how good is that intro? That's such a good family dynamic. It's iconic. Like low key, all those family things with the sisters and the dad in bed, the back and forths that are happening over the course of, say, the month that he's with her, I believe, it is probably one day of recording on set. <laughs> what a good day of recording. It's so funny. That was a very well spent day of recording. These characters are so well realized, which is incredibly ironic because they're playing into the telenovela tropes. So it's very easy for those characters just to be super stereotypical and one dimensional. They're so good. They get fleshed out so much more than families typically are in movies. Yeah. It's so good. You know, Leo's the oldest and there's two younger 
sisters, and the oldest sister clearly wants to inherit the throne, and she probably should. Yes. She's the one who works at the company, and she's aggressive. She's a bit of a shark. She's the most like her father. The, you know, younger one is maybe a recovering addict, I guess? I don't know. Something went on in her past, and now she plays all these instruments, and she works in the nonprofit branch, and they're squabbling over the family fortune. <laughs> and it's all in Spanish, and it's all very good. There's this throwaway line that had me proper laughing out loud but the dad is like I met the love of my life in Barcelona <laughs> and the younger sister is like I thought you met mum in Vienna and he's like yes I did anyway <laughs> wow <laughs> he like just straight up looks at them and is like I said what I said dead pa and then moves on with the story <laughs> so good and the sister who's talking throughout about her passion for the cello and how Leo was the one who believed in her. So they're building it up. She must be really good at the cello. And so when they're having this memorial for Leo, who his family thinks is dead, she cannot play the cello for shit. She can't. It's so bad. The dad was like, that's enough, sweetie. Thank you. And also, as a note, they don't just think he died. The dad thinks that he fought bravely against a shark and lost. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, and Jazz picked up on a reference to the original in this movie. I did. So the eldest sister goes to pick up her brother at the hospital, and she's walking through the hall with the doctor. The doctor, while he's looking at the clipboard, says something to the effect of, we don't get a lot of amnesias in this town. The only other one was sometime in the 80s. (laughs) So referencing the original film in this amnesia comment and I started crying. I was laughing so hard. I was like, in the 80s, you mean the other film? Jeez Louise, guys. In hindsight, I wonder if there's still a mini golf course somewhere in town. Oh, right. That would have also been a cute homage going on a little family outing to play some mini golf. Another shenanigan that I liked was... We've spoken already about how great the daughters were, Mm. but I love that their mum went and chatted to them and like got them to be in on this whole pretending that Leo's their dad. Yeah. What's really funny to me is when Kate is trying to tell Leo the truth and she goes to her daughters and she's like, tell him, tell him that he's not your dad. (laughs) And they just refuse. They just continue to go along with it. They're like, no, he's our dad. And she's like, no, don't tell him what I told you to tell him him and he goes off and Kate turns to her daughters and she's like what the hell was that you guys and they were like we like him we want to keep him (laughs) he's our dad now (laughs) and that was about the time where I wrote in my notebook starts funny gets grim Mm. the kids being fully invested at the beginning when they show up and being part of the ruse is very very funny at the start And then when they start to actually get close, when he's teaching them how to ride bikes, when he's giving out advice to the eldest. Helping her with his Spanish. When he's at the football game and supporting the middle kid and her touchdown. Oh, that was so cute. Yeah, so much of it is beautiful. So then when you start to realize that this is coming to a close, she's taking the test and now it's time to cut him loose. It's, oh, it's bad. It feels bad. There's nothing about it that can be redeemed it just feels bad what a thing to put them through i i I, there's nothing to say i can't Mm. say anything good about that choice it's just sad it's just 
guaranteed to be a shit show. Yeah. Like, even some of the setup for why he does the things that he does. Kay creates a whole backstory where he has gone to AA to keep him from drinking. And also that he needs 30 days sober in order to sleep in the bed with her. So he has to sleep separate because that's something him and his sponsor came up with. Mm -hmm. And he fell off the wagon, which is why he fell off the boat. Like, all this (laughs) stuff to keep him, you know, at arm's length. But yeah it just ends up adding to the cruelty like yeah. that he's sterile that these aren't his bio kids yeah it hurts too much because the update as well i didn't really get it just added to the meanness where in the original she sleeps on the couch yeah but in this he doesn't even get to sleep on the couch he sleeps on this cot in the shed with a plastic jug to pee in yeah it's just levels and levels and levels of mean not that he was nice to her by any means at the beginning but it's just so disproportionate yeah when he starts going out of his way to do small gestures for her is when it started to get too messy and i think another thing is goldie hahn is doing all the domestic work because kurt russell is working two jobs during the day and at night but in this movie he is taking care of the majority of the domestic labor and he's also doing hard labor during the day Mm -hmm. now i'm all for equal labor in the home but it just I think it just feels like so much more yeah it's not an equal distribution in the same way yeah Goldie Hawn doesn't know how to do housework so it's pretty funny that she's trying to do all that stuff but that's all that's being expected of her Mm -hmm. while he is out doing as many hours himself somewhere else whereas this is the full labor all this housework picks up the kids does a bunch of errands and she's just you know she does an evening thing and she's studying a lot and I guess then part of it is it makes it difficult for me to believe that he'll be going out of his way to look up more elaborate recipes, to pick up frozen yogurt, which are all very sweet things to do. But like, where is he finding the capacity to do this? Right. How? For both of the films, to be honest, I do think they've done a lovely job with trying to have a conversation about the disparity between the haves and the have-nots. I think that the working class in both films is treated with more respect than a lot of places do. I think that there's a little more humanity brought to the idea of someone not understanding what an actual day of labor is like. And both films have conversations with head butlers or the guy in charge of the boats to truly discuss how lucky that person is Mm. to have everything they need when their memory comes back, but also understand in a real way what the other side is like. Yeah. One of the first things Leo does when he's being told that he's going to inherit everything by his father is that he says he wants to create... 30 pound bags of concrete not just 60 which is going to cause a lot more overhead at the company and the sister doesn't understand why someone would do that mm. and he understands that lugging 60 pound bags is a pain in the ass and if they were split into 30s it would be much easier and not so demanding on the body mm-hmm. how much better would society be if people who are in charge of things had real experience with what it is that their plans are affecting. Yeah, no, truly. (laughs) I once had a doctor give me a hard time for, quote, not taking my medical condition seriously when I was in the hospital. And I had to look this guy in the eye and tell him, you tell me where I can see a GI without insurance. Hmm. He literally tried to say that, like, there are clinics that you can go to that are free. And I 
said, no, they're not. Those are general practitioners. Oh, my god! I said, where can I find a GI yeah. I can go see? And so it's just like this complete misunderstanding of how the system actually freaking works. Mm. And, yeah, like, how am I supposed to tell a rich guy that he doesn't actually understand the words coming out of his own mouth? <laughs> well, how impossible it is to do the thing that he's telling you to do. Yeah. I agree. In both of the movies, they did a good job of making two people who are very out of touch see how deep into a gilded cage they were yes speaking of the steward i loved him in this movie i did one of my favorite lines is when leo regains his memory and goes back on the boat it's a wide shot this is not important at all (laughs) and the steward is just like welcome back sir by the way your funeral was lovely So deadpan and funny. Also, one of my favorite things just before that scene had occurred is that somebody who had worked on the boat recognized Leo on the beach and put it together that this was the guy with amnesia. So this guy sends the picture to someone on the boat to say, hey, Leo's actually alive. This is all happening and they're having the ceremony to put his ashes into the ocean. The father and the two sisters are there and in the background over their (laughs) shoulders is the steward having a conversation with somebody on the boat about oh wait are you sure he's actually alive wait who's this guy what's going on I don't know and they're having a whispered conversation during the memorial before somebody finally steps up to tell the dad it was very good (laughs) the side characters in this movie are so good it's so good the sister deciding that she's going to fake her brother's death and just randomly running up to some barbecue and shoving ashes into to her own. This is so unhinged. And then she presents the ashes to the dad who opens it and smells them for some reason. Why is he taking a sniff? I don't know. And then the dad says he smells like meat. And the sister says, well, aren't we all just meat at the end? And it was just, what? Excuse me? Keeping up with your Latin beats, part of the shenanigans happen in this movie because the captain is consistently vibing to music. (laughs) So he doesn't hear when Leo falls overboard. He doesn't hear when Kate falls overboard the first time. He's just like missing everything because he's jamming. Good for him. (laughs) (laughs) These people are crazy. Do what you got to do, bud. (laughs) There are so many like throwaway lines that had me cackling throughout the movie. This is almost like the opposite of the meddling mom this is like the unpresent fucks up your life mom (laughs) which i loved and at the end kate ends up going to mom's performance which is like weird and racist and it's not good what the hell was that i don't know and so the kids all want to leave and go chase after leo and as they're like getting up and running out they could have just said excuse me excuse me coming through Mm -hmm. but instead she goes excuse me diarrhea gotta go (laughs) (laughs) i truly don't understand why the diarrhea was necessary but you know no notes she felt like she needed a reason very funny and then one of my favorite things at the very end is that bobby's the one who says how often does a guy actually have to choose between love and money and every single person on the boat screamed bobby shut the hell up and even the kids even the little girls that was like the only time anyone let them say hell in their entire childhood lives because they said that with some gusto let me tell you some fervor 
at the top when Kate goes and gets the girls from school and she's driving the car that she drives for the pizza delivery and the eldest is like mom do you have to pick us up in the work car it's so embarrassing and she's just like go be embarrassed in the car I have five minutes to get this across town yes I do think that like the ending of the second one is so much better mm. it turns out he's lost everything his dad has disinherited him but he gets to keep the boat because the boat is in his name already so they get married on the yacht they do a zoom out in slow motion on the yacht and mm. the yacht has a little for sale sign on it <laughs> which makes me so happy <laughs> That small attention to detail. Yes. And then in the credits scene, <laughs> when the dad is like, he's buying the boat, but he's not doing it for Leo. He's doing it for his beautiful granddaughters. Yes. So it's like, he came around, kind of. It's very cute. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe there is a chance for like Leo to get his way back into the family business in some small way. And so on brand for the absentee mom or whatever we're going to call her, she wasn't even at the wedding. She was sent in a video from like wherever. Yeah. Oh, backstage in a senior citizen's home. Oh, right, because she's about to play Hoddle and Fiddler in the Roof. <laughs> oh, God. I, I do have two little things from the original movie that I thought were worth noting, which is that, Goldie Hawn, why have you gone to bed in a full face of makeup? <laughs> That's like my even more annoyed girl put on your shoes. I cannot stand the idea that someone would go to bed with a full face of makeup on. That's just how they be in the 80s. Girl, grab some wipes. Well, where's your makeup remover? Clean your face. That's too much. <laughs> and then the other one is that the guy is working multiple jobs and it turns out he has a secret second job and he's hauling manure. And so at the very, very, very beginning of the film, you can hear an ad that says something to the effect of, come do some work for us over at this place. We need people to haul manure. And then he says... There's no chauvinism in manure. Oh, Men and women are both welcome to apply. What <laughs> the actual? <laughs> no way. That's amazing. So I had to write down the quote, there's no chauvinism in manure. No that's... <laughs> Chef's kiss. <laughs> Good grief. I know this conversation is not about the original, but that is worth an honorable mention. Yeah, I think that deserves it. Goodness. <laughs> All right. Okay. I think that that probably brings us to Fun Fab Fail. Fun Fab Fail. For me, I probably have to say that the original would get a fun. I would probably watch it again. Mm. And the 2018... I regret to say is like on the cusp between a fail and a fine. Yeah, I feel so conflicted about this because, yes, the original for me is definitely a fun. And using the criteria that we set out for what constitutes as a fun is, will you watch this movie again? And for me with the remake, no, I won't. And that makes me sad because... I loved so much about this movie. I loved so many of the side characters. Mm -hmm. There were lines that I was literally laughing out loud for. Yeah. And it just, it missed and it missed hard. So I, I can't watch it again. So for me, it's also like living somewhere between a fine and a fail. Yeah. If it wasn't for how good the other characters were, it would be a fail. 100%. But 
Everyone was so good. Yeah. All of the secondary characters were so, so funny. And I have a matrix for comedy, which is that I'll laugh pretty freely with other people who are also laughing. Mm. There's something about being in a group, right? Yeah, it's infectious. Laughing while watching a movie solo is pretty few and far between. Mm -hmm. If you can get some guffaws out of me when I'm watching something by myself, then it was excellent. And so I guffawed maybe twice by myself watching the first one. It was just more pleasant throughout. And for the remake, I guffawed a ton throughout the whole film. Yeah, it was objectively funnier. I don't know why. It just doesn't have enough... Yeah. And I think that's where me being conflicted comes in because the remake is objectively funnier. Yeah. But I still prefer the original over the remake yeah that's so weird it's bizarre it truly doesn't make any sense i'd be interested to see if anyone wants to forge through both films themselves and tell us their thoughts oh please do because it's weird and i don't know how else to feel and i want to make sure that this makes sense in my brain (laughs) you know no, I do. <laughs> Jazz was able to watch the original before I was. And we spoke just a little bit about it because you said you didn't want to influence me. And so before we started recording, I said, no, I, I feel the same. I preferred the original. Yeah. I mentioned her, you know, I think I prefer the original. And I don't know if it's the fact that we watched the 2018 that's coloring it. Yeah. That I was braced already for some of the squishy stuff. Mm -mm. And I just don't think that's it. I think it just wasn't as successful. Which isn't unusual, really, for remakes. But... There was so much going for this movie. Yeah, and it should have been better with mm-hmm. how much context we have for things being squishy now, yeah. like ways that they could have improved upon it. It should have been better. Well, that leads us to our favorite segment. Give me the cheese, please. <laughs> how was this one for you? It was challenging for me. I had to have a hard think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I found something that works. Great. Okay. All right. Three, Three, two, two one. one. Nachos Room with mild cheddar. <laughs> <laughs> that made me so sad hearing yours. I was like, oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Because you know. Why would you put that cheese on them? Oh no. I'm so sorry. I'm <laughs> Though that captures it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I don't even need to explain it then. <laughs> As you were. Yeah. So I'll go first. Okay. I chose room temp mild cheddar. <laughs> that's, that's also depressing. <laughs> when we're saying it together, I just got the mild cheddar part. I missed the first part. <laughs> now hearing the whole room temp. Now I'm sad. <laughs> so sad, right? I don't know why that makes me sadder. I know. Some cheeses you want to enjoy at room temperature. Okay, Correct. let me not step on your explanation. No, like... no. It makes me happy that you understand exactly why it's so sad. No, I get it. It makes me sad. And like mild cheddar is already a disappointment, but room temp mild cheddar. (laughs) I think that it's already like such a disappointment, right? Because there's other cheeses that are so enjoyable at room temp. Mm -hmm. There's so many cheeses that are actually significantly better at room temp. But an American cheddar cheese is one of those ones where part of it is like when it's very cold, it's firm. Mm -hmm. And there's some sort of pleasure in the texture of the chewing as well. Mm -hmm. And so... Imagine you've come late to a party and there's a cheese board. Oh. 
no just okay wait okay you come late to the party there's a cheese board it's been out for a while the board says cheddar and you think to yourself this is now room temperature and it's looking a little limp and and, and a little sad but i'm gonna have a bite of some sharp cheddar and i'll chase it with a grape and you go in to bite that cheddar it's gonna be so yummy and tangy and then it's actually just also mild cheddar girl and like you're already late and maybe this is the first bite you've gotten and it's just so devastating (laughs) yeah whatever circumstances led you to be late to this party you know you're having a terrible day and this sharp cheddar was gonna fix it up a little (laughs) and it didn't it didn't it was actually additionally devastating and you will never recover from this day now like i just can't describe the disappointment enough All right. That's why this movie is a limp, room temperature, mild cheddar. I think there's something about the word limp that is just so depressing when it pertains to food. It's just, (laughs) no. Well, you know, this is an auditory experience that we're trying to convey. I can't show you the image. So I just really need you all to understand the emotional <laughs> devastation of the state that I'm in, you know? No, I'm there. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I'm sorry to drag you all down with me, but if I have to sit in it, someone else should sit with me. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I'm so depressed. I'm sorry. Yours is so depressing, too. I know. That's why I'm like, I'm trying to find the willpower to talk about <laughs> mine because it's depressing, too. Oh. <sighs> So you know nachos, right? Of course. Nachos are amazing. There's so much to love about nachos. There's such a variety of textures Mm. and flavors. You have the crunch of the chips and the creaminess of the guacamole. And you have the sharpness of the onions. And then all you need is a little bit of cheese to go on top. It's a little bit malted and a little bit ooey gooey. Mm -hmm. But what happens if you receive a plate of nachos and on it you have a cheese that does not have a good melting point, that does not have a flavor profile that fits with this plate of nachos and hasn't malted properly? And don't get me wrong, Parmesan is amazing. Amazing. It's a great cheese. But it does not fulfill its role in this dish. No, it's not realizing its full potential. In fact, it's making things worse, which is so sad because Parmesan is used to being the star. (gasps) Oh no, it's Anna Ferris. You girl. (laughs) You sprinkle Parmesan all over pasta dishes. (laughs) Because it's amazing, you can't get enough. But it's not working. Oh my god, Anna's the parm. And this plate of beautiful nachos. (laughs) It's just not. It was so depressing before and you made it so much worse. (laughs) I'm so sorry. No, no. (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. Oh no. those cases where even something like a mozzarella could possibly work it's not correct but it would be in a pinch but i'd even take pre-grated cheese at this point like a pre-grated cheese blend it's okay yeah i'll take a velveta Mm. i'll take a velveta on a nacho right 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 but the parm 
(laughs) It's doing the palm and the nachos dirty is the thing. Yeah, it truly is. Oh my God, that hurt. That got so much worse. That was so good. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Do you see why I had to like muster some strength after listening to yours to talk about mine? Yeah, because if I had to follow that, I would have, I don't don't think I can. I think that we've left everyone fully depressed. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. This is one of those examples where it's very clear that comedy and tragedy live a butt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, hopefully everyone will bear with that because it was also very funny. We'll bear with it and forgive us and come back next time. <laughs> yeah, this was a toughie. Yeah. So um, there, there you have it. <laughs> that was our discussion of Overboard 2018. Uh, let us know your thoughts on the movie or movies. Yes. If you end up watching both, please. Please do. Any shenanigans we maybe missed or what cheese you think <laughs> captures the feelings. You can follow us on Instagram at shenanigans and pod, or you can email us at shenanigans and pod at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us next time. Really, though, (laughs) please, this was a tough one. But until then, my My life life was richer when when I was poor poor with you. I would just not put myself in that position because I can't make a smirk that oozes sex. I can't do it. So just like know your strengths, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) 